If you're struggling to attract new staff or your team is experiencing burnout, pick up your phone and call Guardian Vets. Through virtual team solutions like after-hour triage, daytime virtual receptionists, callbacks, and telemedicine, Guardian Vets can help you have happy staff, happy clients, and a thriving business. Go to www.guardianvets.com and check Veterinary Success Podcast in the Where Did You Hear About Us section to get a free consultation and receive 50% off your first month of service. Don't wait. Check out GuardianVets.com now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Veterinary Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas, and I'm excited that you're here. And with that, we're going to jump into this week's podcast here in just a second. We're going to hit up our sponsors that help make the show possible. There's lots of companies that I believe in that I think help veterans across the board, whether it's find a job, hire talent, become more efficient in their practice, all those things, right? So these sponsors mean a ton to me. So I know a lot of people will fast forward or skip through them. But if and when you're looking for help and some of the solutions they offer, I would highly, highly encourage you to check them out. And so with that, no further ado, jump into the ads and we'll get right into the show. So thank you for listening and uh, enjoy. We all know as a practice owner, one of the last things you want to think about is tax planning and strategizing for your practice. In addition, the long list of tasks on your radar, it's really hard to do everything. You have to find a trustworthy team of experts that understands the unique and specific needs within veterinary medicine. My suggestion would be my friends at Granite Peak Associates. Granite Peak is an advanced tax planning and veterinary practice advisory firm who has spent many years working within vet med. Their team works year-round to make sure you're able to maximize your profitability while also minimizing your liabilities. Whether you're in the process of purchasing a practice, looking to grow your practice, or transitioning towards the sale of your practice, they are the experts to help guide you through. What makes them different than other firms is their devotion to proactive tax planning. By thinking into the future and creating long-lasting relationships with their clients, Granite Peak can help minimize the amount of taxes paid over the course of many years to come. Head over to their website, granitepeakcpa.com, to receive a personalized comparison of your practice financials against over 140 other hospitals that they've worked with. You'll be able to see how your practice ranks, where you stack up, and where the opportunities are to get better. From there, you can schedule a one-on-one -on -one call with one of the members of their team to review and analyze your results. The opportunity speaks for itself. You need someone on your side. Granite Peak Associates is that team. Take advantage of their innovative expertise within the veterinary industry. If you're struggling to attract new staff or your team is experiencing burnout, pick up your phone and call Guardian Vets. Through virtual team solutions like after-hour triage, daytime virtual receptionists, callbacks, and telemedicine, Guardian Vets can help you have happy staff, happy clients, and a thriving business. Go to www.guardianvets.com and check Veterinary Success Podcast in the Where Did You Hear About Us section to get a free consultation and receive 50% off your first month of service. Don't wait. Check out guardianvets.com now. Finding a job or finding a veterinarian shouldn't be a waste of time. Enter an offer first. Paul Diaz and team have created something really special with Offer First. Some of my favorite reasons are as follows. Candidates and employers will both have values aligned on the first step, not the last. The sign-up process, quick and simple, no resume required. So if you're looking for a job, but you aren't really sure, it's as easy as scrolling on Zillow for a home. And finally, if you have a great match. It's based on your each unique requirements, not random keywords. If you want to learn more, listen to episode 179 with Paul Diaz. We cover all of that.
the other exclusive great thing that you're going to get from this ad read and from Paul is I convinced him to give an exclusive discount to listeners of this podcast. So for owners, you're getting a 20% discount on both the placement of any candidate, but also access to the platform. Use VSP if you go to offer first or the easiest way is a link in the show notes. So check it out. Associates, those looking for a job, same thing. Use the link in the show notes. Use VSP if you go directly to offer first. But I will donate and Paul will donate to a veterinary nonprofit of your choosing. So each person that signs up gets a vote. Your votes actually count, which is incredible. And so I'll be reaching out. I will handle that. But there's going to be a donation made for any associate or any job seeker that adds on the platform. We want to make sure that not only does the platform help to make sure that you find a better fit, better culture, better role, but it's also doing good in veterinary medicine. Okay, so link in the show notes is going to take you to offer first. It's going to automatically apply that, but also use code VSP if you go to offer first directly. And offer first is changing the game of veterinary recruiting. I want each and every one of you to benefit from it. So check them out today. Find out for yourself why my friends at Shepherd Veterinary Software are the fastest growing practice management software. They're doing something right. Founded by Dr. Cindy Barnes, Shepherd is an intuitive, easy to learn, streamlines practice management. Built for vets, by vets, it works for you and your team so you have more time to spend on what's most important, your patients. Shepherd automatically updates the medical records, adds services to the invoice, generates discharge instructions, and so much more. Bring home more stories and less stress. Check them out at shepherd.vet. Again, that's shepherd.vet. All right, welcome back. Another radio show. Just got back from WVC. Uh, had a lot of great conversations, and I will likely have an episode later on in the year with some guests. But I felt like this needed, especially with some of the conversations at WVC, deserved a radio show and a, some conversation around it. But recently, I posted on LinkedIn a post, and it read hashtag Veterinary Medicine. I want to see more private practice ownership and extremely bullish on folks building this future in a variety of ways. I put blank is stopping veterinarians from wanting to own their own clinic. What's your answer? So I got 47 comments, some DMs, and more impressions than what I'm typically used to getting. Not viral by any stretch of the imagination. Some folks I'm sure that'll listen to this have way more reach and capture than I do, but really good engagement. Lots of comments. It's obviously a hot topic. I've pounded the table on practice ownership since the podcast started in 2019. It's not easy. It's not rainbows and butterflies. I think I've made that clear throughout, but gosh darn it, it's worth it. And I think if you look at the amount of money in the space, the more veterinarians that can own and operate private thriving hospitals, the better it is for everyone. Whether you're working at corporate medicine and or an in industry or whatever, it will still be better for all. So it's that important. And maybe that's not you, but you should want a thriving private practice, even if you have no desire to own. And I'll have some really good guests that are can be on the show later on, as I talked about, likely a roundtable discussion on the topic. It's going to be something that we continue to talk about for a number of years, I'm sure. That being said, I'm extremely optimistic about private practice ownership and the different models that are being created, the offerings, the people that are doing some really cool stuff, some that's been announced, some that hasn't, some that's coming, ideas that people are working on and building behind the scenes. It's incredible. And it's all around equipping and helping out from a private practice perspective. And I'm so excited for what's to come. Now, I kind of had hinted in another radio show, I have 
something that I've been working on to help with this. Again, I think there's going to be lots of different models. There needs to be different avenues. There's going to be those type of things. So with that, the main themes of what people commented on, and I want to go through them and I'll have some comments on those comments, right? But what I saw were basically six things were the common themes out of those 47 and then sub comments and all these different things. I try to boil it down, distill it down into six things. And what they were was fear, lack of knowledge or guidance. Some called it mentorship as well. Vet school debt, generational shifts in veterinary medicine, the costs or money and expectations, stress, and basically work-life balance. So I kind of tied those all together from that standpoint. And I want to start with fear. And there was a handful of comments that I really, really agree with. I'm not going to associate and put names necessarily on the podcast. I'm going to link to the post. You can see it all. It's all public, but I'm not going to you know, shout out, hey, so-and-so said this, right? I'm just going to read what they wrote for the most part. So fear. One person put the marketing by groups slash companies that starts in veterinary school and continues during the early stage of veterinarian careers. It drives a message of you can't own and delivers lie after lie to them. I agree. I think we've had some guests on the show. I've talked about it. I think the vet schools, for the most part, are on the take when it comes to <laughs> large corporate medicine. There's a lot of funding by big companies. And there is there is some motivation to encourage like, hey, just beat it out of you, right? You don't want to own. It's too hard, which I think comes back into play with some of the other comments, which is this misinformation and fear. Another comment, misinformation at schools where it starts. This is a separate comment. We have to empower these young people to keep the voice power wealth in the hands of veterinarians. Again, couldn't agree more. Another comment said, definitely misinformation, fear, and risk. Another comment, the fear of the unknown, the fear of failure, the fear of feeling alone. Another one just put fear. Risk, the stakes are higher for this generation of vets considering practice ownership. And they put the visibility of success or failure. I want to go back to the comment that talked about the fear of feeling alone. And I think this one is interesting and it does kind of build on that mentorship piece as well. But even if you are a solo practice owner, and I know there's not as many folks that are interested in that today, I think you can still thrive doing it. I think there's really good business models that will work. You can find community doing a lot of different things. I think social media for all its flaws is really fantastic about this being involved in things that are non-veterinary related, right? Have other passions or interests, have a community. It doesn't have to always be in vet med, but that feeling of aloneness, that can be solved for. And there are lots of individuals and there are lots of organizations. And to me, it's like, shoot, there's so many organizations out there for private practice owners, for people to get connected and talk and brainstorm. Because again, if I'm a veterinarian and I'm a business owner, there's lots of you out there and the knowledge sharing that you can all have is super powerful. It doesn't have to be a mastermind. It can, like that's worth paying for. It can just be people that you know. It can be classmates. It can be relationships across the country that you connect and you jump on a Zoom once a month and you have conversation about life and work and these different things. So that should not be the fear. It shouldn't. I get it that it's real, but it shouldn't. There are lots of ways to solve for that. I think the idea of fear of failure is one that's really important. And I mean, I'll be honest and open. I think I've started one, two, three, four, 
five different little ventures that I've just kind of shut down because there was no interest. So I talked about like the Bitcoin for DVM. I was like, hey, I've heard people want knowledge around Bitcoin. I'm going to create this course. I'm going to put it up there. It's going to be inexpensive. People can buy it, learn, and they'll buy Bitcoin. And failed. No one used it, right? And I'm happy to say that's fine. Not that it's not important. I just don't think folks are ready. And also there's a lot of good free resources that kind of came out right after that where it was like, huh, this is actually better. You should just go do this. And so it's fine. Pack up, move on. I get that's a much smaller scale than buying a business, but there are lots of stories of super successful right entrepreneurs that failed at several ventures before they actually made it work. And the fear of failure, when you think about that, you can always go work for someone else, right? <laughs> Recruiting in veterinary medicine right now, finding good veterinarians is so hard. If you go out and do your thing and it doesn't work, you can always go work for someone else. There will always be those roles for you. Maybe that's not exciting. Maybe that's kind of a go check. But if you don't try, it's always going to be a no. So that fear of failure, like that just encouragement piece, A, I hope the podcast over and over, you hear guests, you have these conversations, you hear folks, that's ultimately kind of the goal of what I'm doing is like, just crush that stuff, get rid of it. You can do it. There are lots of people that have come before you and lots that'll come after that are not as intelligent, not as talented, and are going to be very successful in spite of all that. And so can you, right? And really important not to let that get so in your head because I'm sure there's lots of people, whether you know it or not, that are like, dang, so-and-so, they would do fantastic or you've accomplished a ton. And if you've gotten through vet school, you're obviously a very bright individual. In the fear of the unknown, you can be 80 years old. And I've said this on the podcast. You will never know everything about business or veterinary medicine clinically, business-wise, and you can let that paralyze you. Or you can say, you know what? I'm never going to know everything, but hell with it. I'm still going to go forward. I think that's important because you learn by doing. You can read, you can listen to this podcast and do all kinds of things. Action is what changes. Having ideas is one thing. That's great. Lots of people have ideas. Very limited people take action, actually do something. So by doing, you will learn and you will get ahead of others that just think all the time. Someone can be really bright, right? I went to school with some people that are extremely bright, talented, and you know what? They don't do anything. They can talk. They can tell you how smart they are. They have all the book knowledge in the world, but they don't do anything. I don't think I'm next level from an intelligence perspective, but you know what? I'm not afraid to go do things and it not work and just be like, oh, you know, we'll try something different. That's part of life. And it's one of those things where I get it as a veterinarian, like it's always been highly academic. You've had to be the top. You've had to be the achiever. You've had to get the grades. You've had to do these different things. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, I have to know everything before I take this leap. You don't have to. There are people that are there to help. And I think that leads into this next point, which is the lack of knowledge or guidance. I want to read some of these different comments in it. The first one is, I think it also comes down to lack of an advocate or guide to help doctors see what's possible. Ownership is very possible with the right motivation and direction. You don't have to be an expert to start. You'll learn along the way. Bingo. Perfect. Chef's kiss. I love that comment. It's so true. And you'll learn a lot by doing. Another one, lack of support also plays in. Legit why I launched my mastermind. I've got a startup owner in there learning from two established practice owners. And I can't wait to see the effect that has when she launches. Love that, right? Learn from people that are doing what you're already wanting to do. Hey, they're a couple steps ahead. Learn from them because they probably scraped their knee and got some bruises and battle scars. Like just learn from them. And so many people are willing to give you time if you ask and you reach out and you want to learn from them. And if you can help in any way, return the favor, right? There are lots of people that want to pay it forward. Do the same thing to those behind you. 
one that says fear due to complete lack of knowledge of how to run a business and risks. Again, I get it. There are big gaps in knowledge of business acumen, but that is true for lots and lots of business owners. A lot of time they are very good at a specific task. I'll think of a restaurant, for example. They're not like great business owners. They can be successful because of it. They'll learn along the way. There's lots of small business owners that are really good at a skill, not necessarily the business side. And you know what? They adapt, they learn, and they have partners and they outsource it. They hire good people to surround themselves with. And I think that's where you hear the concept of, hey, get a team, get a team, find people that can help support you. Another one here, I love this comment, mentorship from faculty to go into private practice was a thing back decades ago. I think the corporate influence over academic experience and there's less interaction towards private practice is what I see as well. I agree. We kind of talked about that. The business model and medical mindset are very different. One evaluates risk against future reward and the other one avoids risk for longevity. Both mindsets can be learned and developed just like anything else. Again, love that comment. So wise. Another one, our team has spoken to hundreds of veterinarians. The answer is common. They're confident in the clinical side and team building, but they don't feel confident in some or all of the areas needed to run a practice independently, construction, leasing, IT, marketing, contract negotiations, procurement, finance, accounting, HR, blah, blah, blah. We encourage veterinarian owners and support them in these areas. A little promotional, if I'm being candid, that's why I'm not going to throw out names so I can make comments. It's definitely promotional. But yeah, those are the things that you can outsource and can find help with. And it doesn't have to be someone that is there all the time. There can just be someone that's there for a season of life. Another comment, lack of business knowledge and cost. Another one, lack of business acumen and training. Lack of business management experience. How do you get experience? By doing. How do you get acumen and training? By learning and doing. Some of the stuff you have to learn by doing. There are many factors, uncertainty, work-life balance, finances, not wanting the business side of things. Another comment, a lot of doctors also do not want the business side of owning a hospital. They want to practice medicine, not run a business. Trying to staff a hospital right now, doctors, technicians, receptionists, it's a full-time job in itself. So I hear staffing, I hear outsourcing. I need some team members or a partner, maybe internal, external to help me handle that. Knowledge gap when it comes to business planning and management. So I've said it multiple times in the show. I think if you have a really good CPA and have some tax advisory of getting good numbers and good data, you can learn from that. And there are really good consultants and folks that can help you get into the business side and understand what you need to do. I've had some really good guests that talked about metrics that they track, how they look at those things. You can learn that. My favorite comment is probably the business mindset and medical mindset are very different. I think this is just so clever and well put that I haven't had someone articulate quite that way, where it's kind of risk reward. It is much less risky to own than what I think people understand. Because yes, they might not be the everyday scenario. And there's lots of doctors that own that struggle. I don't know how they put food on the table or they're getting by where they could just probably double what they make if they work for someone else. But there are lots of examples of folks that have had really successful practices are able to make significantly more money and are able to then have a life-changing event when they go and sell that business because you have a liquidity of it. You have this like big thing moving into retirement. Whereas an associate, you don't get that. You have a 401k, you have these savings. And when you're done, that's what you have. You know what it is. When you own a business, you have this other asset that you can retain, you can sell, you have a lot of freedom and flexibility. And there's so much from a tax perspective and advantages. The way the tax code is written today is for business owners. It is not written for employees. And so there are just so many benefits of being an owner that if you have partners, again, that's why I harp on the CPA piece so much. And again, 
Granite Peak Advisory. They're a sponsor of the show. Jared and team are fantastic. Highly recommended. I've had Jamie O'Kane on the podcast. She's great. There are lots of good folks in the space that have veterinary knowledge that can help. But there was another comment and I have it kind of pegged to something else, but it talks about not getting the field for money. And I hear this all the time. And I think that comment needs to go away. It's stupid. Quit saying it. It doesn't make any sense. You go into a career to be good at something and also be able to live a life that you want. Yes, everyone's definition of success and enough is different, but there's no such thing as, well, I can't make money doing this. I don't think there's a lot of other professions that have this attitude that is, woe is me, that I need to be like giving up the opportunity to go do something else so that I can practice and do veterinary medicine, right? Like I have to forego the benefits of doing anything else. That's just silly. That mindset needs to stop. I don't know who started saying that. It's 2024. Like we got to stop saying that stuff. You got to stop. It's foolish. It's not true. What you want is you want something that you can be paid for that you enjoy, period, right? It is not, I want to go for this passion or this. Find something that you are good at. And if you can be good at veterinary medicine, you are can be very well compensated, whether you're an owner or not. But this idea of, I don't want to have any money and woe is me is foolish. So it needs to stop. We got to stop doing that. And we just need to say, you know what? That's not part of what we talk about anymore. Moving on, vet school debt. This came up a lot and I'll read the different comments. I would add vet school debt was one comment. We have to acknowledge the student loan debt burden, not to mention their mountain of student loan debt looming in the background. I would think high student loan balances driving more recent DVM grads to employment versus practice ownership. It has to at least be a contributing factor. This actually came from a CFP, which I thought was interesting. All those things, and I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again here for those that maybe haven't heard me. If you have debt, what is the easiest way to pay it off? To make more money. How do you make more money? By being an owner. That's it. That's the path, right? You can have two options to pay down debt. You can spend less or you can make more. That's it. There's no magic extra formula. Unless you have a magic money tree in the backyard, there's nothing else that you can go do. And so you can either be more frugal and pay off that debt. And I've talked about this before. I think student loan debt is not something I would rush to pay off. I think there's going to be this broader kind of debt jubilee or these forgiveness programs that are going to be there. I want to make sure that I get access to those programs, put it on a payment plan, try to minimize and squash the payment as long as you can and stretch it out. I think the idea of five years, pay it down as fast as possible. If that makes you feel better, great. I think it is a fiscally, financially irresponsible decision. Personally, I don't think it makes sense. And I would not encourage anyone to pay it down. The other thing is, I do not know a bank that will not look at veterinarians and lend money. And there was a comment that was made, and I think it was really good. I'm going to read it. It goes, we have to acknowledge student loan debt. It's a brute force reality. Banks are going to Factor this into any lending decision. It won't matter if you have great leadership, management, aptitude. If you cannot get financing for a substantial capital cost of opening a brick and mortar clinic because your debt load is too high, then that's a high hurdle rate. It's not true. If you have a lot of credit card debt, they're going to not like it. If you are not able to manage your money personally, they're not going to like it. If you've never saved any, they're not going to like it. Student loan debt, they will not care. It's really, really hard unless you have tried to rack up as much as possible. But if it is somewhat normal, $300,000, right? you're fine. And so this comment came back and it said, banks love vet med loans because we never default. So it's a veterinarian. Veterinary specific lenders know all about student loans and factor them into their decisions. Amen. Absolutely. Our success rate is very high and some banks even offer business consulting to ensure their customers are successful. Practice ownership is the best way to get out of debt. Amen. Totally agree. Also, there are many small rural hospitals that would almost give their practice to a veterinarian 
if they would just relocate. Again, amen. We talked about that with uh, by my dad's veterinary hospital episode recently with Dr. Jeff and Liz. If you can improve the health of an animal, you do it, right? Of course. That's what makes veterinarians special. You're mission driven. My friends at LifeLearn are the exact same way. For over 25 years, they've been partnering with you and your peers, providing affordable, customizable online software solutions. These solutions save time, increase efficiency, and assist in managing all aspects of operations. Why? They want to help you improve your partnership with pet owners to improve pet health. LifeLearn has award-winning digital media solutions and are leading the pack as they prioritize having extensive veterinary knowledge throughout their teams. That difference is seen, it's heard, and it's read by thousands of people across the country. Relax, grow, and thrive with LifeLearn. Click the link in the show notes for an exclusive offer to see how LifeLearn can allow you to get back to what you do best. And then the initial commenter put Roger that I was also speaking to the cumulative psychological impact of debt, which I think is fair. And a little bit ago, I just said, hey, I would stretch out the payments. And there is that psychological impact of debt. And I think it is something that is a lot of times tied to how we were raised. And so it's a mental hurdle where people are like, debt is bad. We live in a debt-based economy, right? Credit is what drives, more debt is what drives the economy today. And as much as that, I don't like saying that, that's the world we live in. So to be debt adverse is to basically push back against like the stream of what the world is that you're living in. So it's hard to do. And I'm in the debt is dumb camp. And if you have high student loan debt and have a business loan debt as well, that may impact your ability to secure a home mortgage. So now they're changing it to a home mortgage, which again, I'll, I'll give them a little bit of a break. But yes, I mean, there is some extent on a home mortgage, but if you own a business and it cash flows and you make more money because it cash flows well, because you purchased a business or you started a business. Yeah. If you started a de novo and you have a bunch of debt and you aren't truly profitable yet and you're just getting started, hard to get a home mortgage. Totally agree. You buy a cash flowing business that already is putting money in your pocket, the mortgage is not going to matter. Like you can get a mortgage on that. And I think it's, again, there's a lot of this, like what I would call misunderstanding or misinformation around lending. Banks will compete for your business. SBA loan rates are 12% right now. Vet loans, six to 7%. There is a reason that vet loans are carved out and get special rates. Again, person talked about it. Really good lenders know this is great business. They want your business. All right. Next one is generational shifts in veterinary medicine. Not used to talking as much because I'm having a guest talk a little bit more. So this one I think is interesting and a lot of the comments we'll get into, but yeah, let's just jump into it. Being that the industry has become female dominated, the hours and weight of running your own show is intimidating, particularly when judging with family demands. Agreed. If you have family, you need to make sure you have buy-in from your spouse or your significant other. It is important. And if you try to do that without their support, it's going to end up really, really hard. If you have their support, it's a superpower. You'll be fine. This other one said generational differences. And then they were asked to kind of explain, what do you mean? Because you can't just, they just, you know, gave a quick answer, which is what I asked. So they filled in the blank. They put, in my opinion, there are stark differences in the mindset of graduating veterinarians in the last five to 10 years compared to graduating veterinarians greater than 10 years ago. Primarily due to generational habits, technology, the way we raise society. When it comes to their plans for the future and approach to the profession, while corporate buyouts have gotten out of hand, I know there are countless small animal practices with retirement age doctors out there that would love to transition with the younger veterinarians that sell to corporate. In regards to that, some are doing well, but most are doing it poorly. 
but that path isn't favorable to a young veterinarian. It's easier to get a job with a larger corporate practice with ample handholding, time off, vacation days. It's harder to work weekends, do your first surgery alone, and be MacGyver. This profession was built on jack of all trades, get her done mentalities, whatever happened to the expectation that by the time you graduate, you could perform day one uh, competencies. The era generation was over 10 years ago. You got to get it done. That is not our society or generation now, unfortunately. And then he said, certainly they're unicorns, but I believe that James Harriet and graduating veterinarians is becoming a thing of the past. So a couple interesting things there where I think there's kernels of truth, but one interesting stat, and I had a great conversation. Um, this person will probably listen and know who I'm talking about. Had a great uh, conversation at lunch, young veterinarian, highly motivated to buy just over 12 months out from school is the person that's like, hey, I know I don't know everything, but come hell or high water, I can do it. I have confidence in myself, which is awesome. And so looking to buy a practice from one of these older veterinarians that have a successful practice that they don't want to sell to corporate, want to sell. And you know what? They won't give her any financials. They say, here's the price. Why don't you want to buy it? Well, can you give me this and this and this? And they'll be like, no. Well, you should just want this, right? No, I want to make sure it's a good value. Like, how do I know that that number is fair? And they just like won't provide information <laughs> or send it to them. So if you're an older veterinarian and you want to sell to a younger veterinarian, you know what? There has to be value there. Your made up valuation isn't anything. Like there, it has to be tethered to reality. And you have to understand that the EBITDA multiples of 2021 are not the EBITDA multiples today. And if you're a one or one and a half doctor practice, you're not getting the same thing. And so it's great that you think value is X, but it's what someone will pay for it. So it needs to be fair across the board. And I know there's plenty that would be fair, right? That would be open to finding the right person. I know those people exist, but there needs to be an openness to communicate and share information and then letting the young veterinarians make the decision. I want to be part of this conversation between these generations to help with that transition. I don't want the doors to close. I want there to be a buyer to step in can have great revenue, grow it, change it, and really recreate things. And the comment that this person makes about habits, technology, way we were raised, society, sure, those things are changing. This person was older. And so when they talk about the way we were raised, that's a reflection on your generation too. Like I'm not throwing shade here, but when I hear that, it's like, well, you raised this generation. So like it's your peers that have, have made that happen. So if you, you've kind of done it yourself, technology is important though. And that's where I think veterinary medicine, especially buying a practice more rule, changing things and increasing the ability to earn revenue and adjusting to kind of modern medicine is a huge, huge untapped opportunity for young veterinarians. Coming to another one, there's one that says radical change in generational mindset. And I love this comment that someone made. It's cheeky, it's funny, but it said previous generations didn't compete with private equity. I would agree. And there's a reason, and I have a post on this as well, why private equity and why the multiples and the costs of everything have gone up. I'm going to save that for a chat here in a little bit when we talk about costs. And someone then commented as well to that radical change in generational mindset. In the 12 years alone that I've owned my practice, things have changed so much with the complexity of the practice, client experience, and cost, along with social media, which can be helpful, but also personally another consideration to handle with regards to our wellness creates a more intense landscape. The mindset that I started with 12 years ago would have never been enough to keep me going today. So the mind shift definitely plays a factor, but more because the expectations are higher now and the old way of doing things isn't tolerated anymore. I think it's responsible for new clinic owners to carefully consider if they are prepared mentally for the challenge before jumping in. Thankfully, there's more and more support available. So I don't think we'll see more private practices opening. Oh, she says, I do think we'll see more and more private practices opening as time goes on. 
but I agree. Like you can't say, well, you know, it used to be this and this generation did this way and it should be the same way. It's like the world has changed. So it is going to be different and that's normal. Every generation thinks the people underneath them suck and are lazy and, and bums, right? And then it's all of a sudden, somehow it all kind of works out. Another one, it says, I think one of the biggest factors right now is work-life balance. A huge number of graduates and doctors now want top dollar per hour, don't want to work after five, don't want to do surgeries, don't want to work on weekends. They don't want to be married to the job or business. The entire mindset around this has changed. I think this is one of the biggest factors right now. If there is demand for your services, you can set a lot of precedents for how you operate. And it doesn't have to be done where you're working weekends or after five o'clock or these different things. Now, I think there's opportunity to be different than everyone else in your area. If there's competition, being open on a Sunday or being open late a day or something like that to allow yourself to accommodate who you're trying to serve is important. But this idea of no one wants to work, I don't buy that. I think there are people that fit that, but that is a broad generalization, broad generalization. The cost of doing it is one they get brought up. And so I want to hit on those because one says cost. How do they afford to purchase a practice when the acquisition companies have inflated the prices? Yes. How have they inflated the prices? Everything is inflated. This is not a vet med phenomenon. Every small business, I've looked at small businesses for sale for a long time and the multiples that they sell at are much higher than they used to be. Why? Well, money was cheap for a while, so it bit up the prices. Artificially low. It was manipulated. The money is broken. I've talked about this on this podcast forever, right? And so how do you normalize that? Well, the way you normalize that is higher interest rates and people have to fail. And also, if you're a younger veterinarian and you're wanting to acquire these things, saving in better money. That is AKA Bitcoin. I've talked about it ad nauseum. There is a playbook for the prices of vet practices is going down in priced in Bitcoin. It is going up priced in dollars. So you pick how you want to save, but it can get cheaper if you want it to. The opportunity is there. You need to educate yourself. That's why I talk about it. The cost of real estate going down in Bitcoin terms. It's up to you to be educated on it. There's plenty of information on this podcast. You can reach out to me and I'll talk to anyone about it, right? It is one of those things where the tools are there. And if you just shout into the void that everything's too expensive and it got bit up, yes, it is hard. You're still not going to compete with private equity that has the ability to buy a practice for $5 million when you can get a loan for 900, right? I get that. But what it will do over time is the world is getting repriced and you want to be owning the asset that is, it's getting repriced in. The next comment, the amount of money needed to borrow is much higher than it used to be. Why? Why is the money much higher? Because we live in a credit-based world where we increase the money supply when we create new loans. It's not from deposits, right? They create new money. And when you create new money, that creates inflation and the cost of things go up, especially the things that we really want. So yes, that is always going to happen. That's why you see these old Sears catalogs that you can buy a house for $25,000 in Chicago, right? It's crazy. Why is it not that way anymore? Well, the money is fundamentally not tethered to anything and we create it at nauseum and we created 40% of all the US dollars that have ever existed in 2020 and 2021. So yes, they are going to be much more expensive to do anything. So it is hard to open a facility. The standard of care to compete with practice down the road has to be open for years, collecting equipment, technology, people, and resources. Yeah. I mean, you have to invest in an offering that is competitive to provide a standard of care. Completely agree. Those costs have gone up. Another one, doctors who want to own their own practices can't afford what owners expect to get what corporates offer. And it's only gotten worse since COVID when the hedge funds 
and all got involved with trying to buy hospitals. Agreed, let them buy them. But you know what the key cog and the key factor of running a veterinary hospital or clinic is? Veterinarians. So if you can't attract and retain talent, eventually you're going to close. And I think we're going to see that. The pendulum has swung so far one way, it is swinging back the other way. And that's what my conversations that have me so fired up and maybe why I wanted to record this from WVC, like talking to successful operators that are doing some cool things, really, really optimistic. It is changing because if all the talent is leaving corporate medicine or a lot of talent is leaving and doing their own thing, and there's reasons for that, you're going to start to see corporate medicine struggle. And there's going to be locations that cannot sustain themselves. And when they're able to borrow at low money, they can lose money a lot longer. Now as rates are higher, so interest rates are higher, they can't afford to do that anymore. And so they're going to have to say, Hey, Mr. and Mrs. Investor, uh, we had to close some hospitals so that we can, you know, return capital to you. That's what happens. So you as a private practice owner are playing a different game. And then lastly, the comment I made earlier, not getting in this field for money. I hate that. I do not like it. You can do a lot of things in veterinary medicine and have a really good living that is higher standard of living than the average American. And so I think it's all about perspective too. And I think a lot of people need to just understand that perspective a little bit better. Expectations and stress was kind of the last one. And this I thought was really good. A couple spots where there was one on not being able to find labor and burning out was a comment. And the other one, unobtainable expectations from everyone, clinic, clients, staff, vendors without adequate supports. This to me seems like a comment that is a lived experience, which again, I'm not going to necessarily call out people and put names behind it. But I think it's a very heartfelt and profound comment. And those unobtainable expectations, you set those expectations as an owner. And so you have to make sure that you're very thoughtful in how you curate the environment that you work in. And so if the staff and the vendors and the clients all have unrealistic expectations, that seems to be a reflection on the individual that set those things. We all want to do a great job, but you are only human. So it's really, really important to say what you can do and what you can't do. And you can't say, yes, I can do that to everything because you will get in that point of frustration, burnout, and, and feeling trapped. And that's not a good spot to be. Another one talked about there's a risk of one mistake and cancel culture, the internet grinding a business to halt with a single viral post. I'm not as worried about that one anymore. I think, yes, there's been a lot of criticism and a lot of stress with posts and different things that people will say. There are always going to be trolls. There's going to be people that are just nasty to be nasty because they had a bad day. But I think cancel culture in general swung way too far. We've seen it. And we're starting to understand that there's just a lot of nasty, bitter people. And they probably just aren't well-fitted for your business. And that's the kind of way they have to approach it. You know what you stand for and what you did. And if you made a mistake, you can apologize. You can be very forthright in it. And if they can't live with that and they're going to go and try to cancel you for it, let them do it. And there's going to be a lot of people that understand and respect what you do. And I don't think that it's a reason not to own. And that's a risk, even if you're an associate too, because you could lose revenue that way. So the last thing that I'll close with is maybe more of the financial side, just because, hey, it is me from that standpoint. The difference between owning and being an associate, if done well, and that if done well is very important as a qualifier. But I think there are plenty of partners that can help you with that. And there are things that are coming that are going to make private practice medicine. It is going to be the golden age. I've talked about it. I think we're heading into that golden age and it's really, really exciting. It is materially different from a family household dynamic 
terminal wealth, generational wealth type thing. It's not a couple hundred thousand dollars. It is seven figures of value easily difference between owning and being an associate. I believe that if you get the right location and you are thoughtful on the way that you think through the business and you don't try to just say, Hey, I am smart. I am a veterinarian. I know I can do this and try to do everything yourself, but go to the folks that you know, Hey, I don't know as much about this and drop the ego. You will absolutely dominate. You will do fantastic. And so there are tons of great partners. I would encourage you lean on the folks that maybe you don't have the skill set to do as well. And then really double down and push on the stuff that you know, great, and you'll do fantastic. And the difference between an associate and an owner, VMA's done studies, right? Mental health, joy, quality of life, all these things tilt to ownership because you're going to be stressed either way. Vet med is not a stress-free role. There are few jobs in general that are stress-free. So if it's your stress and it's something that you're building towards that you get to put your stamp on, it is a very big difference than when you're building it for someone else or a faceless corporation. The mission matters. And when you're working towards a mission that you care about and you can make more and you can do the things that you want to do, I think that is a recipe for a really, really great career and one that's a lot more enjoyable. So with that, thank you for everyone. If you're listening to this and you made a comment on the post, if I was harsh on your comment, I apologize. I think they were all fantastic, good talking points and really good back and forth. So I'm going to link to it. I would encourage people to check it out. Until next time, there's some really great guests coming up. But ping me if you have any questions or thoughts on this one. If you want to chat on anything, we'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment tax or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. However, you are intelligent enough to make decisions for yourself. So I do encourage you to dig in, learn for yourself, and not just outsource every decision that you make. You should talk to your professional team if you have one before implementing anything that I talk about, but also make sure they know what they're talking about. Push them, question them. That's healthy. That's okay. Oh yeah. And you should probably own and learn a little bit about that Bitcoin thing. The biggest compliment you can give to me is to share the show with a friend or the podcast if there's another episode that you really like. That helps folks find it. That helps it grow. Um, reviews are critical. The Apple podcast is the platform that's predominantly used for how people find the show. So if you have three minutes, love the show, please head over, give us five stars. If you believe that's what we earned, that would help more people find the show. Also, if you're new, go to YouTube. It's a channel, uh, putting up all the videos there as well. Sometimes it's going to be more interactive. Other times it's just going to be the conversation. So vainly, I want to get a hundred subscribers. So I get the vanity URL. That's the goal. We're on our way, but not quite there yet. For all of today's links information, head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can also subscribe via your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss any episodes in the future. And finally, if you'd like more information, insights, or have the ability to, for your voice to be heard, join the Facebook group. You can search for the Veterinarian Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll to the bottom, about your host, click on the Facebook icon. And thanks again for listening. I appreciate you. All right. So there are a lot of great job postings that I want to get to. And so we're going to start off with Bayside Hospital for Animals, great work-life balance in beautiful Fort Walton Beach, Florida. No weekends, Monday to Friday, eight to five, no on-call or emergencies. It's appointment only here. Currently a two and a half doctor practice, new owner in 2021, bringing some fresh life into the hospital. The new owner had been there for six years prior working, so definitely understands the team, the processes in the community. Lots of investment in people and new equipment. ProSal is the pay structure Far too many benefits for me to list. Email BaysideVet251 at Yahoo or call 
1-800-273-1857. Join a thriving, growing small animal practice in Vermont on the Quebec border. Full-time, ideal, part-time is considered. The idea is to start with yes with the team, patients and clients in outdoor woman's paradise while uh, being able to practice high-quality medicine. Compensation is write your own structure within production capabilities. Literally, it is the owner wants to find the right person and is happy to negotiate, chat through, and find the right fit. If you want autonomy and a boss that enjoys teaching, reach out to Newport Veterinary Hospital. You can email newportveterinaryhospital at gmail.com. North Central Indiana, looking for an oasis in the chaos. Who isn't, right? Come join the amazing team at Fulton County Veterinary Clinic. They strive to foster a fun, fast-paced work environment while providing quality patient care. They utilize the support staff efficiently so that the doctor is available to practice medicine and do what you're trained to do in less time and paperwork, which is great. Lots of investment in new equipment and technology to support you, full-time or part-time available. Small animal and exotics are both seen there, so no ER, no on-call, no weekends, competitive salary with sign-on bonus offered, and far too many benefits to list. Go to Fulton County Veterinary Clinic, so type that in and you'll find the job posting there. Last but not least, join Watertown Animal Hospital, personable, small animal veterinarian wanted for well-established current five-doctor mixed animal practice in northern New York, which is an outdoors person's paradise. Again, two of those. So if you like the outdoors, you can look at Vermont or New York. They have plenty of support staff with six CSRs, six licensed technicians, four animal caretakers, two technical assistants, hospital associate, or sorry, hospital assistant, a practice manager, and a bookkeeper. Focuses on mentorship and investment on the people and the technology. That's been a strategic initiative by the leadership team. No on-call, 24-hour ER, less than an hour away. Salary based on experience, but no less than 95,000. Can be straight salary, pro-sal considered. Want to discuss that with the right person. Tons of benefits. Again, too much to list. Please reach out to watertownpetcare.com for that option as well. So again, if you find a role or a job or talk to anyone and it helps you in any way, I would love to hear that feedback. So please reach out. Let me know what you're able to do. And I will continue to post these. So if you are an owner, reach out to me, let me know. And we'll go from there. And until I hit a capacity of I can't keep recording these, I want to let people know who are high quality owners around the country looking for great help. So with that, we'll talk soon.